Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting next to my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, we are another day closer to must-see TV for certain. Sunday night football, Packers, Patriots, Rodgers, Brady, all that good stuff. And we will get to that epic quarterback matchup. But as promised, we need to recap the Packers trades from the trading deadline. Now that we've heard from general manager Brian Gutekunst, head coach Mike McCarthy, you got some reaction from players in the locker room. Haha Clinton Dix sent to Washington for a fourth round draft pick. Ty Montgomery sent to Baltimore for a seventh round draft pick in the 2020 draft. Brian Gutekunst made it pretty clear. He made a couple of things pretty clear, I thought, in his press conference on Wednesday morning. One is that this is not some sort of a fire sale and the Packers are giving up on the season. That is not the case at all. And number two, these moves were made primarily for performance reasons. Two players that, in the personnel department's eyes, were having disappointing seasons, and there are other factors as well in the locker room, chemistry, all that kind of stuff certainly factors in. But the bottom line is these are players that uh, the Packers wanted to move on from and give other players a chance. At this point, Mike, I'm going to hijack the show a little bit. Okay. You've been doing this for 12 years with the Green Bay Packers. Have you ever been of a part of a week like this? No. I mean, just in terms of the West, I'm not just talking about the, the Rams game, but the West Coast, Los Angeles trip. Two trades in a deadline. Now you're preparing for Brady Rogers it's, pay-per-view. Yeah. It, you know, it's 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 absolutely unlike anything any single week I think that I've ever been a part of. I mean, me this morning getting up, going to Quick Trip, getting my crew a coffee, <laughs> my Packers cup, eighty-nine cent refills, and just trying to get energized about what exactly is going on because. Be honest with you, Mike. I'm going on about three hours, four hours of sleep every night right now. <laughs> yeah. Because there's just always something happening. It seems like still trying to catch up from that West Coast swing. But to your original question, haha, Clinton Dix, Ty Montgomery, the Packers making a move there. I was sitting out at practice on Wednesday. I was surveying the field. The Packers did make one move. Trey Carson was promoted. They still have one spot available on their 53. Right. And I was sitting there trying to think of the last time they'd made a move like this in season and I couldn't think of one Mike I, no, you've I, been do, you've been around the sun a little bit longer than I have but I I mean I they've traded for players you had Derek Martin come in at one point you had Ryan Grant come in but I think the last time I would say there was something like this in the middle of a season I remember it was my first year in this job 2006 also Mike McCarthy's first year as head coach but Ahmad Carroll, who was a first-round pick from a couple years prior, was a starting cornerback on this team. And after a dreadful performance on Monday Night Football in Philadelphia against the Eagles and a very ugly loss for Mike McCarthy's Packers, Ahmad Carroll was cut the next morning. I kind of forget that Ahmad Carroll made it to the McCarthy era. Yeah, he was he was yeah. here for about six games, and Ted Thompson let him go. He was a starter, yeah. and the next day he was gone. That's probably about the only thing that I could equate to this and and the situations are not really similar in too similar I guess I should say in that respect but that's about all I can think of well and, the, and getting back to your original point I don't mean to take us completely off the rails here but I I thought one thing that Brian Gutekunst said during when he addressed the media on on Wednesday that was very interesting very poignant to me is that a lot of people, you and I saw it in inbox asking, well, why don't you just wait until the end of the season? You'll get a compensatory pick for Ha Clinton Dix. Brian Gutekunst said they got a fourth round pick for him. Mm-hmm. If you wait that out, one, you're going to just have to see where he falls on that continuum. If he signs a free agent contract right. contract elsewhere, the best you're going to get is an end of the third end of the third round pick. 
now there's no questions about that. And the, the most powerful thing I thought Brian Gutekunst said was, we also want to be active in free agency. I just thought that was such an about face. And I'm not saying well, how Ted Thompson did things was wrong. He obviously did things very right to put this franchise in the situation that it's in right now and, and to, to win a Super Bowl and to be a perennial playoff contender. But it's interesting hearing Gutekunst talk about yeah, you know what, the compensatory thing isn't going to drive us here. We want to be active. You you move with, with Clinton Dix right now. You get that guaranteed fourth-round pick. As you pointed out, that's in the round, not at the end of the round. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be something the Packers, once the season is over, gives them a lot of flexibility for those 10 picks. As it stands right now, I did go around. I was talking to some guys in the locker room. The defensive backs, they're healthy. They're deep. They feel like they can absorb this loss. Haha, Clinton Dix leaves a void. There's no question about that. He's a Pro Bowl safety. He's done some good things in this league. Yep. But the Packers feel like with the depth they have and the young players that they have in that secondary, there is enough talent there to be able to press forward without him. Yeah, and I don't I don't want to make too much of this, but in a lot of ways, what I saw on the field, the play of Haha Clinton Dix this season, the play of Ty Montgomery, just very emblematic, very representative of what this Packers team has gone through as a whole. Good moments and bad moments, lots of ups and downs. We've seen how Clinton Dix make a couple of turnover plays that were very impactful and and very impressive. We've also seen him look a little bit lost in the red zone coverage in the end zone and allowing easy touchdown passes that shouldn't have been quite so easy. We saw Ty Montgomery start the final drive against the San Francisco 49ers with a great 14-15 yard run to get the engine cranking and get the Packers going but then he fumbles the kickoff in a crucial moment against the Los Angeles Rams just emblematic of what's been going on with the with with this entire team and uh and you said it Wes the Packers feel like okay it's it's time to move on Mike McCarthy wasn't going to reveal to the Patriots and Bill Belichick exactly how the Packers are going to line up in the secondary, who's going to be the kick returner, you know, all of that kind of stuff. It kind of sounds to me like a lot of options are on the table in terms of how Mike Pettin is going to play this in the defensive backfield. You've got Jermaine Whitehead, although he's on the injury report right now. You have maybe some cornerback is the deepest position on the team. Maybe somebody shifts around there. Are the six defensive back packages going to look a little different? Because a lot of times, uh, Mike Pettin's been using three corners, three safeties for those six DBs. Does he now go more to four corners, two safeties, or something like that? So it just seems to me like all the options are on the table, and we're really not going to know until Sunday night because Mike McCarthy has no interest in giving Bill Belichick a heads up as to how he's going to play Yeah, this. the big thing a lot of the guys in the locker room talked about, obviously Mike McCarthy talked about, was that they want to give guys opportunities. They feel like there's a lot of young guys that have not been getting playing time right now that that could potentially contribute to this defense. You think of guys like Josh Jones, a second-round pick from last year. Think about guys like Josh Jackson, who played really well when when they were down guys in that cornerback room, but now they're healthy again. Bashad Breland uh, signed him last month. He had the hamstring. He's ready to return. He said he could have played in that game against the Rams on Sunday. He was just a healthy scratch. Right. So, this is one of these deals where I, I think, as Mike McCarthy said, and I'm sure we'll hear Mike Pettin talk about it later this week, they are so matchup-based, and we've seen them tailor specific game plans to specific opponents. So I think there's going to be a lot of fluidity, a lot of flexibility with how they use those guys. But the point I made in Inbox on Thursday is whatever form this defense takes on Sunday is going to speak to, right now as it stands, the scheme, the five, the six defensive backs that they feel most comfortable with 
against one of the NFL's elite. I think that's going to be a very important statement to make. But, yeah, there, there's going to be a lot of domino effects with that defense and with that secondary as to how you go about replacing a guy that basically had not missed any games, basically had not missed any snaps over the last four and a half years. Yeah. What do you think? What's your sense of maybe what direction the Packers will go at kick returner? There are obviously a few options there. We've seen the rookie Marquez Valdez-Scantling step in at kickoff returner here and there. He did it in the preseason. He's done it. I believe he had one kickoff return so far in the regular season. Maybe he's the guy, or do you see another potential option out to there. me right now it's valdez scantling until trevor davis is available right uh, it, or if they want to activate if they want to activate they have him, to make yeah. uh because i just i don't think you want to put randall cobb back there um you have the two running backs but i think you're going to need you know aaron jones and jamal williams we'll probably talk about them here in a second i i, I think valdez scantling makes the most sense i i don't recall you correct me if I'm wrong here. I don't recall Equinemia St. Brown doing any kickoff returns no, in I, games in the preseason. I don't either. Jamon Moore might have, but I to me, Valdez Scantling and Montgomery for the first two weeks were platooning that position. Then they finally just decided to run with Montgomery. So I mean, if you're looking for a guy that's done it, it's it's Valdez Scantling. Yeah. All right. Um, quickly here, Wes, before I forget, because I have a tendency to forget these things. <laughs> uh, our uh, other piece of sponsor business, enter the Cousin Subs Best Seats in the House promotion. You and a guest could win a chance to kick back on the 50-yard line in style. Two pairs of lucky Packers fans will be chosen prior to each home game for this VIP experience. Enter daily now through December 16 by completing the entry form and submitting. For complete rules and eligibility, go to packers.com slash best seats, cousin subs. We believe in better. Okay. Sunday night, Wes, it's a treat, not only for Packers fans, for Patriots fans, but for all NFL fans, it's Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady sharing the same field for only the second time in their careers. Four years ago, a great game out here at Lambeau field. Like we talked about the other day. Um, I think this is going to be uh, this is going to be a special one, and whatever happens, I think we're going to remember it for a long time. You know what I love the most about this matchup, too. You're right; it is Brady and it is Rodgers, and it and it only happens so often. But their offenses are so similar. You know, when you look at okay, it's Aaron Jones and it's Jamal Williams. It's Sony Michelle. It is uh, obviously James, James White. White. Yeah. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, Jimmy Graham, <laughs> uh, Julian Edelman, Randall Cobb. They mirror each other in a lot of ways. Yeah, personnel-wise, you're right. Yeah. One of the things, you know, Bill Belichick's been so complimentary of Mike McCarthy in the past, I think because there's a lot of similar similarity between the way that they build their team, they build their culture, and the way they play uh, on the football field. Um, and I, I, it does go back, though, to the two quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers, I thought, as he always does, really sum things up uh, perfectly uh, on his during his Wednesday news conference when, you know – I appreciate the the history of this matchup and what it means to the league to have these two guys playing each other again. But the GOAT debate is one of the most annoying things, I think, that yeah. has ever been introduced in this new era of trying to determine, you know. Yeah, the, it, hi the, hype of, the hype of it in terms of that angle has gone a bit overboard. Yeah, and Rodgers Rogers pretty much, uh, you know, threw the, threw the water on the fire with that. Yeah, and he said, I mean, you can't really do, you really can't prove anything. I mean, <laughs> it's just banter and debate that is meant for, you know, bars and barbershops. But he did say that Tom Brady has five Super Bowls. In most cases, that kind of ends the debate, yeah. you know, in terms of, you know, trying to determine. I mean, that's what the goal is for every player. So, um, but, you know, it, it's going to be fun to see those two come back into the same orbit. And, you know, he, Brady talked about uh, on his conference call as well, 
you know, he's had a relationship with now with Rogers, a good, solid, you know, friendship here for the last five, six years. I think Rogers went over to his house at one point to meet with his nutritionist when he was making some of these decisions with his own body and his own wellness as he tried to extend his career. Brady's kind of set the standard in that regard, and Rogers, uh, arguably the most gifted and intelligent quarterback to ever play the game, has tried to take some cues from that as well. So yeah. you can always learn from each other, and these two guys certainly are paying attention to what the other is doing. Yeah, well, I really enjoyed on Wednesday morning, Mike McCarthy uh, turned back the clock a little bit, reminisced, was asked about this Rodgers-Brady thing, and he brought up when he was an assistant coach with the Chiefs first breaking into the league, 1993-94, and I remember this game. McCarthy brought it up. It was a Monday night football game in 1994, Joe Montana for the Chiefs, John Elway for the Denver Broncos. I was actually a grad school student at Northwestern. I was in my cramped little studio apartment on the Northwestern campus in Evanston, Illinois. I should have been studying on a Monday night, but I was absolutely glued to that football game. It was it was an incredible game, and in the fourth quarter, it was just both quarterbacks taking the teams up and down the field, back and forth. And at mile high on the road, Joe Montana for the Chiefs throws a touchdown pass with eight seconds left to uh, win that game. And you felt like if they put another 15 minutes on the clock, the two quarterbacks just would have kept going yeah. back and forth. It was it was two Hall of Famers, two of the best of all time. And, uh, you know, I, I'd love to see another game like that on Sunday night. It'd be a real treat. Yeah, and it's Gillette Stadium and that environment. I mean, that's one of the one of my favorite stadiums in the NFL. Um, maybe not for the press box, but in terms of just the overall atmosphere. And, yeah, we have and kind of an end zone view from zone. Gillette Stadium. So uh, when the players are way down on the other side of the field. Weston will kind be of, like this. Well, yeah, you've got your binoculars. I usually just watch the television <laughs> screen. So uh, yeah, but, yeah. But, but it is. It's going to be a show. And this is what you want, right? November sweeps. I mean, now you got Rodgers <laughs> versus, versus Brady. You got Michael uh, Jordan talking about the matchup. Uh, but the, the biggest thing to me, and someone brought this up in Inbox, and it was a good point, I thought, in a game like this that could very well be a shootout, that could very well be, you know, you can do one thing, I'm going to try to do it better, it might very well come down to the last possession. And, oh, yeah. And I think from the Packers' perspective, they have been well-conditioned for these match for these meetings. If there's one thing the Packers have done exemplarily well this year, it's been with their two-men in offense. They know how to move the ball when they need to move the ball. And it would be interesting to see in Gillette Stadium if that ends up being the case once again. I'm sure for the Packers' perspective, they'd like a little less drama this week. Uh, it would be a lot easier just to you know go in there, get up early, and hold on to that lead and, and then walk out of there with a much-needed victory. But with this type of opponent, with these kind of stakes, and obviously doing it on the road in a, a very passionate home road environment, home environment for the for the Patriots. It's not going to be easy, but the Packers know that. Yeah, well, a couple of lessons here to point out. One, a lesson from last week that we talked about. In a game like this, on the road, against an elite-level team, you're going to have to make the plays at crunch time. Mm -hmm. That's what we talked about. You're not going to beat the New England Patriots in 45 minutes or 50 minutes or 55 minutes. You're going to have to beat them for the whole 60 minutes. If they have any chance in the last three or four minutes of the game, you've got to make sure you put it away. The other thing is I will say, if you go back to the game here in 2014, the Rodgers-Brady-Packers-Patriots game, a big lesson here for the Packers in that two rookies played a huge, huge role in that game. Richard Rodgers caught a big touchdown pass, was a rookie tight end, and then Devontae Adams, six catches for 121 yards in that game, kind of his coming out party as an NFL player. And Rodgers talked about that from the beginning of the game, Belichick's defense 
was focused on Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb. Rodgers got Devontae going. They hit the touchdown to Richard Rodgers. Then Belichick's defense adjusts. Then they hit the touchdown to Jordy Nelson before halftime. Belichick's defense adjusts back again. It's that sort of cat and mouse game and, and, uh, and that sort of chess match that's going to be going on throughout. But my point is that when you look at the roles that a couple of rookies had in that big victory for the Packers, it's just a lesson that absolutely everybody's got to be ready. If you step on the field, it might be your moment to shine, whether that's Valdez Scantling, whether that's EQ St. Brown, whether that's Mercedes Lewis or Lance Kendricks, a couple of guys that Rogers brought up, because you never know who it's going to be on a given night, what it's going to take to beat a Belichick defense and beat the adjustments that he's going to continue to make. So obviously, Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb and Jimmy Graham, they have to make their plays as well. But, uh, but this game could come down to, you know, one of those unsung hero-type guys playing a big role. Absolutely. I think that will be the difference in this game. It's funny you go back and think about that Adams uh, game, and I was a part of the media scrum with him discussing it. That was his seventh career start that day. You remember that year, actually, Jared Boykin started the season as the number three. Adams, after the first month going into October, finally took over that spot. Yeah. The three games going into that, he had four catches for 33 yards, one of those for a touchdown, but had been relatively quiet during a really powerful stretch of offensive football as Jordy Nelson was really you know, humming at that point. So you understand why Belichick and company sort of you know, put him on the back burner in that game. That proved to be the wrong approach, though. Devontae Adams showed, uh, and he said it even this week, this was what he felt was like a really big confidence game for him, mm-hmm. a really big boost to show him that he belonged. Because he'd had some solid performances up to that point, but none of them where he really took over the game. And it was funny, too, listening to him talk about it, because he said, now it's kind of like it's come full circle for a little bit for me. Now I'm the number one target. He's probably the one that's going to be getting Gilmore. He's probably the one that they're going to be tailoring everything to. He's really He likes that challenge because he wants to see now, okay, I put up six catches for 121 yards when nobody was looking at me. <laughs> now everybody's looking at me, yep. and I want to have that similar production. But just like that, as more attention gets driven to him, that's where you want to see a guy like Marquez Valdez-Scantling or Geronimo Allison, whoever's stepping into that number three role, really you know, show that they can shine. Because when one guy's getting shadowed or, or coverage over the top, it's going to open up an opportunity for another player. And we saw last week, Mike, with Valdez-Scantling, what he can do. It's man-to-man coverage and no safety over the top. Yeah, exactly. Man-to-man single high, MVS. He's got some pretty good moves at the line, and, and if he gets a step on you, he's got the speed. He's, he's tough to catch. Absolutely. And the other the other element to this, too, we'll probably end up discussing this is with our keys to victory on Friday's show, but I think this is a really big opportunity for Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, too. Uh, they're the one-two punch now. I asked Aaron Jones about that in the locker room on Wednesday. He was always the young guy. He was always the little brother. Ty Montgomery was the one leading that room. Aaron Ripkowski was the guy on top of that room. Well, now it's Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, and he thinks that that's something that's going to continue to bring them closer and really make them and push them to make the most of whatever extra opportunities they're getting going forward. Those two guys can be difference makers in this league, and I think a game like this, much like as I talked about yesterday, Eddie Lacy in 2014, if you get that run game going, you start Mm -hmm. getting the Patriots having to creep into the box, Aaron Rodgers can go to work. What I like about the state of the Packers right now heading into this game is we talk about the possibility of kind of the unsung hero. You know, Adams, Cobb, and Graham, those guys, the proven veteran guys, they're going to have to do their thing. But we've but we've seen MVS, EQ, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Geronimo Allison, at different times in their very young careers, they have answered the call. Mm-hmm. And one of these guys, a couple of these guys, maybe three or four of these guys, 
are going to have calls they need to answer on Sunday night in order for the Packers to get what would be a tremendously big victory. In a really small storyline to this, uh, St. Brown, he just looks the part to me. He really does. And not just from what he does on the field, but his temperament. I mean, you throw him in there, you wouldn't know that that was a six-round rookie. He knows how to handle those situations. He played at Notre Dame, and he's now going out there, and even if it is only 12 snaps like it was against the Rams last week, runs good routes, and he gets open. Yeah, That's a lot That's a lot to get from a guy that you know was a late third-day draft pick. Yeah, well, as you said, we've got keys to victory to talk about on our weekly wrap-up show on Friday, and we will leave that for tomorrow. But for now, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.